you Yeah, yo There whenever it matters and even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you, here by that I'm behind you But always got you, end the discussion, nothing means more First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak To change what a part take Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you, fully loaded Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, hopping down, cause feeling's not an option and dad is not a noun, not at all. Good evening, sir. How you doing? Good evening. How are you? I'm doing fine. Um, again, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate. I really appreciate that. Oh, absolutely, no problem. Thanks for having me. And I want to give a quick shout out to Isaac Rowe because him and his team put up that amazing man and me uh, event summit event that was powerful. Everyone did their thing, but your um, presentation stuck out the most for me. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, Isaac Rowe, man. Him and the Man to Me organization is dynamic. Uh, Isaac and I are friends, and, and I just thank God that I was able to, you know, share some light and share what he put on my heart to uh, give to the people. So, no, I'm glad I had some type of impact and added some value. Thank you. No problem, man. And I love your voice, man. I love that bass in your voice and that conviction because a lot of people, you know, when I've talked to, you know, you don't, you don't feel that conviction, and you have that conviction, man, and I love it. Appreciate it. Thank you. No problem, my brother. Um, uh, before we get into this conversation, um, kind of give me a little bit um, about your background a little bit. Yeah, so, man, I'm, I'm originally from Pontiac, Michigan. Um, moved to Texas when I was, well, in two, I want to say in 2000. And, um, you know, met my, my girlfriend. <laughs> we had our first kid at 16 years old. Uh, my parents actually went back to Michigan when I was a uh, junior in high school. And I stayed in Texas on my own to raise my daughter. Uh, no family whatsoever. Um, graduated high school 2004. Went to Texas Lutheran University. Got my bachelor's degree in science. And I worked in the social work field for the better half of about 15 years. Um, studied all type of psychology. Uh, working with kids in a juvenile justice system, foster care system. I actually traveled the U.S., talking to parents about um, the rights, responsibilities, and realities of being a teen parent, because I was a teen parent. Um, met with the attorney general. Um, you know, just, I've done a lot of different things, but I've authored three books. I'm a certified uh, public speaker, life coach, and I'm actually now working on a master's in counseling. That's dope, man. You profound, you 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 uh, you embody black excellence, man. So oh, man, I just give you love for that, man. That's amazing what you're doing. And then also, you know, how did you transition? You know, you were a teen father. How did that kind of that that journey for you? Of you know, you're still a teen yourself, trying to figure out you're trying to figure out what you want out of life and what you want to do at the same time raising a, a daughter. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, um, I just know that I didn't always have to be a good example to see one. Yeah. Um, you know, I know what I was missing in my life, and, and I didn't have my father in my life the way I wanted to. 
And I decided at the age of 16 that I'm going to be here for my daughter, Razor. Now, one thing I did know for, for sure is that I wasn't going to run. You know right. what I mean? I said, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to figure this thing out. Because I truly believe that you never really figure anything out. You're constantly figuring things out. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm still figuring out even now uh, with my daughters. But I just decided that I wanted better for my life. I, I came mm -hmm. from the slums. You know, I came from Pontiac where most people don't make it out, uh, you know, at 18. You know, they're, they're gone by that time. So I just figured, what do I want in life? And I always knew that I wanted to help people. And that's when I pursued uh, social work, and I just stuck with that field. Because for me to help transform lives and help people find their purpose and walk in their truth, that, that brings me more joy than anything that I've ever done in my life. And so with that, I said, you know what? I'm going to take this, not make excuses. I'm going to be a father uh, through the good, bad, and ugly, and I'll, I'll, I'll work on it as I'm going through the process. And I just created this, this lane for myself, and I just stayed in it. And then, you know, that word empowerment, I love that word empowerment. What does empowerment mean to you? Because I know that describes yourself as a motivational speaker, but what does that word mean to you? Empowerment to me means just having the tools to be self-sufficient. Um, don't have to be motivated. I feel like motivation only lasts for a little bit of time. Once that wears off, you're back to square one. But I feel like if I empower you, if I give you the tools, if I give you the wisdom, and I equip you with the knowledge that you need to become your best self, then you're empowered. You don't have to rely on people. You don't have to rely on the government. You have everything internally to do what you want to do to be your best self. I totally agree with that. I think it's, and then the thing too, the key thing too is that to me, when I think about empower, empowerment is constantly growing. Absolutely. You're never stagnant. You're not content in one thing. So you're always evolving. Absolutely. Yep. I love that. Yep. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. All right. Um, the reason I wanted to chat with, chat with you, because, again, you had this great um, conversation about trauma. And I think that's one thing that haunts uh, the black community, as well as black men, especially in their childhood, of how, you know, as a child, you see things, you don't know how to cope with it, you don't know how to uh, understand it. And it kind of is a part of you as an adult. Mm -hmm. So let's go into that a little bit. Um, can you talk about the three types of trauma, acute, complex, and chronic? Can you um, talk about those a little bit? Yeah, so uh, acute trauma is basically it's just one incident, something that's isolated, that happens to you one time, and whatever happens to you is so severe that it puts you in a paralysis state where you're afraid to even relive those things or even attempt those things uh, because you had a negative experience associated with it. Um, right. For example, like I said, either you know being attacked viciously by a dog when you're little or being in a very extreme car accident that could have, you know, almost took your life. And I know people to this day who've gotten an accident when they were in their teens, they're in their forties right now and they still won't get behind the wheel of a car uh, right. because they never properly dealt with that traumatic experience. Right. Uh, they found ways to work around it as opposed to right. facing it head on and dealing with it. So that's acute trauma. And then you have your uh, complex trauma. It's, it's a variation of things that's happening. I would say things like, you know, abuse, you know what I mean? Um, you witness domestic violence often. Um, I'm somebody that witnessed that my whole childhood upbringing. And you never know the impact that it has on you until you get older. And then right. you start to embody some of these things and you walk around afraid when you hear loud noises because it reminds you of when you were little. Um, right. You know, things like that. And then you got your chronic where it's ongoing. Um, I, I like to use the example of sexual abuse. For kids, right. you know what I mean? Right. 
They've been sexually abused from the age of five up to 14. And that traumatizes a person to a degree where it's hard to come back from. Without the proper, right. even with proper counseling, you're still going to struggle. Because a lot right. of times you feel like it's your fault. Why was I in it so long? Why didn't nobody right. even rescue me? And I truly believe that those three things right there, if not properly dealt with, will cause a life, life-term, life-long-term of uh, issues for, for individuals. Right. And I think on a personal level, because I, you know, I do suffer from depression, and I think I'm more on the uh, complex, because mm -hmm. growing up, seeing things at a young age that confused me, and then as I grew as an adult, you know, I just saw it, it wasn't right. And so it was a, it was hard for me to verbalize how I mm -hmm. felt. Mm -hmm. And so I'm constantly dealing with that now. I'm 41, and I'm still constantly dealing with that. Because the one thing I, I found amazing from your chat uh, Saturday was how your adult side has to talk to your child side. Yeah. And I'm constantly doing that. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I really feel like you, you have to, at some point in your life, you have to introduce the child to the adult you. Um, and have those conversations with one another. And I think from the child perspective, you know, asking the adult, you know, how do you deal with certain things? Uh, why do you deal with these things now? And I think as the adult to the child, just talk to the child like it wasn't your fault. You know, you didn't have anything to do with that. You were put in situations where you were helpless. You couldn't control a lot of the situations that you were going through. And I think reassuring one another that we need to work together in order to heal as a whole. Um, because a lot of times the child in you is still fighting and right. the adult and the, and the adult in you is still trying to figure out, you know, how to live as an, a grown adult male or female. Right. And with these two clashing with one another, it make you look, it makes you look abnormal uh, right. to, the, to, to a lot of people, but right. nobody understands the internal battle that you got going on. So I, I find myself often reflecting a lot about my childhood and I'm asking myself, why do I behave like this as a man? And then I started thinking about some of the situations I've been in, um, how I responded then. And what I tell myself is, Corey, you've never really dealt with those things. You're, you're still acting as if you were a kid in those situations when you're not. But right. when you're triggered, you revert back to childlike behavior because whatever you did as a child kept you safe. Yep. And as a grown man, that don't look good on you. No, it don't. <laughs> so, yeah, you know so you got to figure out ways to deal with this tra these traumatic experience as an adult. But the right. only way to do that is first by facing those things, owning that you've been through them, and then saying, you know, I'm going to get the proper help. Right. And I think one of the things with myself, um, one of my triggers is, like, I don't like to get into arguments. Mm -hmm. um, when I feel like I, I, I'm the one at fault, my tendency is to run away from my problems. Yeah or not to talk to anybody for like a week or two weeks because that's my safe space. That's yes. And again, that's me trying to, you know, work on my inner child because that's what I'm so used to prone to doing as a child that I'm still doing it as an adult. Right, right, yep, absolutely, absolutely. It, it, it's, it's not uncommon. It happens to a lot of people. And I like to say we have more similarities than we do differences. The thing right. is, as men, we're taught to suppress everything, even as a kid. Oh, why are you crying? You a punk. You need to man up right. or whatever, right? So we learn how to hold on to these things and never be vulnerable. And that does so much damage. And I, I put a post the other day that talked about um, young boys being made to be the men of the house 
in the adolescent stage. Right. There are three stages before you become an adult. And if you're pushing a boy to be a man at an adolescent stage, to me, that's considered abuse. Because now all the pressures and things that this young boy is now thinking about what I got to do now. Yeah. And I got to hold down the house. And they, they, they can't really express their emotions. They can't be a child at that point. And that's another form of trauma uh, in itself. And so right. you, you grow up, you know, not being vulnerable. You grow up with this wall. You grow up not expressing your emotions in a healthy way. Because when you was a kid, you said you had to be a man. I was told I had to be a man. Yeah. yeah. And then also, I think one of the key words in our vocabulary as men is we always use the word, I'm good. So mm. how do we get that out of our vocabulary? Because you know, you know, you say it, I say it sometimes when somebody says, what's wrong, bitch? I'm good. Yeah. You know you're not good, yeah. but it's just a, a, a mechanism to deflect how you're feeling. So how do we, again, that goes to coping skills. How do we utilize coping skills so we don't use that word, I'm good? Yeah, I think um, the first thing you got to do is you got to learn to be honest with yourself. And you got to talk to the right people. If not everybody, everybody should not have access to your vulnerability. You know what I mean? Like you got to get a real close-knit circle to start even saying, I'm not okay. Because a lot of times we tell people we're fine. And, I, and it's crazy because I put a post a while back when somebody said, how are you doing? It said, I'm fine. But in the word fine, it had depression, uh, uh, you know, uh, all these different things that spelled out the word fine that people right. don't see within that right. word itself. And so I actually started practicing that, um, let people know I'm not okay. You know, right. um, and, and, and I really adopt the mindset, it's okay not to be okay all the time. And so I tell people now, if I'm feeling something, or I feel depressed or I feel triggered, I say, guys, I'm not in a good headspace right now. I'm not doing well right now. Um, right. I did it today. <laughs> I was working on some things <laughs> and uh, I did, man, I did it today. And I, I'm usually not one to be vulnerable with people because I don't trust people due to the things right. that I've been through in life. Right. So I still have this guard up. But I said, let me practice doing this because it's going to help me go far in life. So I just told somebody today, I said, man, listen, I'm not in a good headspace. I'm right. stressed out. Anxiety is kicking in. Um, and I need to talk to you about what I'm dealing with because if not, I'm going to explode. Right. And they were like, Man, you 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 know you don't do stuff like that. Thank you for reaching out early right. before you grew right. up. Thank you for sharing how you really felt. I right. said, man, I had to because I'm learning how to deal with the things that I've been through in my life. And I'm learning how to express these things in a healthy way because there was a time I would flip over desks, I would cuss, I would go off. And I'm like, I don't want to be that person. I'm a grown man. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so I think just really practicing saying that you're not okay, it's going to do you wonders. It's going to lift a lot of pressure off your shoulders for sure. And what I've learned is uh, through coping skills is repetition. Yep. You know, constantly do the same things to remind yourself, you know, it's going to be right. You know, there's going to be days where you're going to have, you know, your bad days. Yeah. But if you stick to that regimen, you'll be fine. Absolutely. And um, those are the one things I've learned over time. But one thing, too, about trauma, what are the, um, the effects of trauma? What are the things that trauma can lead to? Oh, man, trauma can lead to uh, excess drinking, um, drug injection, um, depression. It can lead to uh, you're 15 times more likely to commit suicide. That's a huge one right there. Uh, it can lead to uh, interference on your job because you're not in a headspace to do what regular people do that don't suffer from depression, don't have mental illnesses, uh, don't suffer from traumatic events. It also leads to PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, and these are all things that are outside of your control. Right. And people 
convert to, I mean, revert to these things because they want to suppress the pain. They don't want to face their reality head on. And so they do everything they can to numb the pain temporarily, even though they know once this dies down, I'm back at square one. Right. And so if we don't teach people with proper healing skills and, and coping mechanisms, we're going to lose a lot of people. No, I totally agree with that. And then the also aspect of it is faith. Because I look at like prayer and faith as uh, pep no bismo. Yeah. Like, when yeah. you have a problem, yeah. pep no bismo. I like but that. you also say, yes, that can be a component, but also get help. Help means see a therapist. Mm -hmm. You know. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, I'm a big advocate for uh, prayer and faith, right? I believe that prayer and faith goes a long way. One of the things that I struggle with, um, and, and since this is brought up, where the church tell people, you know, all you need is Jesus Christ. That's what they say. And he's yeah. going to take care of everything. And it's like, okay, I've been praying, I've been praying, and I've been using faith. At right. what point do I, at what point do I have permission to go see a therapist? Because right. I truly believe you can love God and see your therapist at the same time. You can work with both of them to come to a healing place mm -hmm. um, in your life. And I think so many people, especially people of color, because we're so big on faith, we discount everything that's not God. And right. so we can't get help outside of God. And right. I want people to understand you can. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean that you don't have faith in God. It doesn't mean that your faith is decreasing in God. What that means is God put resources here for us to use. Yes, he's the source. But he also put resources here that we can go to and get help when we need it. Because sometimes sitting, praying, talking to God, you may not hear what you need to hear right then, but you can go to that in-person counselor or therapist and, and they can tell you the tools you need right then and there. Because to be honest, man, people don't have 20 and 30 years to wait for an answer or a prayer. No. You know, no, they need right. immediate results because if you're 15 times more likely to commit suicide, you don't have time for God to give you an answer right then. Right. You know, so I truly believe in going to see a therapist, using prayer and faith to get you through whatever you need to do to cope, whatever you need to do to get through your traumatic experiences and become whole, you do that. Right. Yeah, and I feel like, too, is that, you know, coming up is like my two-year anniversary of me almost committing suicide. So it goes back to you put in the work. And I think that's important. And then also, I think it's a historical lineage when it comes to Black people and religion and, and yeah. the faith is that, you know, we've been through so much through the history the only way we cope with things is through faith. Yeah. That's the only avenue. So I think there's a historical factor to it, too. Absolutely. I believe that a lot of things have been passed down historically, right? And we just practice what our ancestors practice. Prayer. Right. Faith. Were there therapists back then? We don't know. The Bible didn't talk about therapists, right? right. The only one we know about is the physician, right? right. Uh, but it didn't say... They had therapists. They didn't say they all they talk about is they went to God when they were dealing with some things. Right. But even in the Bible, people were dealing with demons. Even in the Bible, people were, were depressed. People were dying. Right. All these things that we read about in the word is true today in, in, in our lives. People are really dealing with things. They're dealing with. And, and that's another thing, too. I hate to call these things demons. Right. I really do believe there's a chemical imbalance when a person that has a mental illness. Uh, a person has been tra traumatically uh exposed to some things right. i don't feel like that's a demon i feel like you're really chemically dealing with some things that has right. been altered due to your life experiences right. and you have to seek the proper help and i i'm a big advocate if you want to talk about really healing whole right. don't talk to church people about that because right. they're going to tell you one way 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you got to talk to people that it's going to be, uh, it's all subjective, right? And right. you got to talk to people that's really going to give you some real answers and not religion and what they think they would do. Because a lot of times right. people impose on you what right. worked for them onto you. Right. And it may right. not work for you. So that's the key thing, too, is how do you balance faith and, and science? Because, you know, that's been one of the historical things over time is, you know, the, the balance of two. Yeah, you need faith for some certain things, but you need science, you need data, you need research, you need these. These are the things you need to understand. Like, for example, like people didn't really know post-traumatic syndrome until like the late 70s and the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so true. Science and religion, they have always been pinned against one another. Scientists believe in God, believe it or not. Um, I actually am a science teacher right now. So it's kind of crazy that I operate in both realms, but right. I believe we can't get caught up in the semantics, and I also believe that we can't allow people to create a narrative for us that we live in. Right. I, I believe that science has done a, a, a wonderful job at giving us the data making sure we have things in place that's going to set us up for success. And I also believe that religion has played a role in, you know, uh, people being successful as well. But that's just the thing. Religion has gotten in the way of a lot of things that God doesn't stand for. Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there's a lot of religious people who are religious that follow a lot of the laws, but right. God ain't said half of the stuff that religious people say. Mm. But they speak on the behalf of God all the time. And what we do as people, we blame right. God for the people that spoke on right. our behalf. And God said, I ain't said nothing. Right. So mm. I really believe that if we are in tune with who God is, we know who God has called us to be. And God knows because he's created us that there are some things that we're going to go through in life, traumatic, right. Right. Um, that God put things in place for us to go get help. So I believe that you got to know within yourself, if I go see a therapist, that doesn't mean I'm denying God. That doesn't right. mean I'm losing faith in God. What that means is, God, you gave people wisdom and knowledge to be able to help me right. on this earth while I'm here. Right. But I'm going to go to you to ask and get guidance and directions on how to best do it. Right. You see what I'm saying? So I think that's how you balance the two out. Um, you don't discount one for the other. Right. And I said this, and I got a lot of backlash for it at one point. I know the Bible said that God is a wonderful counselor. And I said... God is not a therapist, and therapists are not God. I think you need both of them to do the work to get to, right. to, to heal. And right. so that's how I look at it, and that's how I balance the two. And I see that transitioning into, like, a child, raising a child. Like, you need the mom and the dad because it's the balancing act of Absolutely. both. Um, so can you talk about how, you know, as a, a father, you know, dealing with depression and trauma and how that – kind of affects your relationship with your child, good or bad? Yeah. Um, you know, with all the traumatic things I've been through, I've been through them all, acute, chronic, complex. I experienced them all. And because of these things that I've been through, like I said, I have a guard. I don't trust anybody. That even trickles down to my kids. Now, you're like, well, how don't you trust your kids? Why don't you open up for your kids or even my wife for that, for that matter? Because I'm afraid of, one, the times I was vulnerable, people took advantage of that. And right. so I have to have this hard exterior so people don't feel like they can take advantage of me. So even with my children, um, I'm very hard when it comes to them. I don't show a lot of emotions. 
I'm getting better, but I don't show a lot of emotions right. when it comes to like the physical touch, hugging and kissing my kids. Right. Um, when, when we get into arguments and stuff, I'm like, you don't want me here. I'm no good. I might as well just leave, you right. know? And so these things have impacted my children in a lot of ways. And it's kind of like, well, Corey, you, the same thing. Because you were a victim, you are creating victims. Right, right. And I want to break that cycle because my children has have nothing to do with what I've been through. Right. You know what I mean? But they suffer the consequences of what I've oh, been through. That makes sense, yes. And so it's not their fault. So I'm learning right now. I, I practice some things with my oldest daughter. I tell her how I feel. I, I become vulnerable with her. There was times where I was just angry. She's like, why are you so angry? What did I do to you? And I didn't have an answer for her. And I started thinking it has nothing to do with what you've done to me. It's what's already been done. Right. And it pushed my children away. They didn't want anything to do with me. They know I'm a great father. They tell me all the time, you're a great provider. You're a great dad. But the emotional piece is mission. Right. I've been so abused and, and, and spared so many traumatic things that I don't emotionally know how to connect with people anymore. Right. Uh, and so I'm trying to repair that piece of me by building relationships, letting my guard down, being vulnerable, talking about how I feel and letting people know I'm not okay right now. And I found myself making some strides and I count every small step as a victory. Right. Yeah. And then also too, is because of your past traumatization, you know, you kind of lean more onto the logic aspect of it, right? Because mm -hmm. it's like when you look, when it comes to just your children, just everyday life. You know, you look through it through a, le a logical uh, sphere. Yeah. And so that kind of hinders your emotional side because you're thinking in your head, like, what do they want from me? Absolutely. Like, what are they getting out from me? What do they want? If I give them this, then they don't want nothing to do with me. So how do you cope with that? How do you work with that in a way? That's, that's a great you want to keep the logic side mm -hmm. because, again, that's important to keep the logic because that helps you never be in that situation of being taken advantage of. But right. at the same time, you're like, all right, this is my, my children. Yeah. And they're innocent. And, you know, I gotta, I gotta break that wall down. So like, how do you do that? Yeah. With me, what I, what I had to start doing is I had something called an enemy box and everybody okay. went in it. I didn't care who you were. Um, wife, kids, I don't care who you were. You went into this enemy box. So what I had to do was I had to unlock the enemy box and start removing the people that don't belong in there. Right. And so I took my daughters out. I took my wife out. I took out people that were close to me. Because I said, these people have not shown me anything in regards to them wanting to hurt me. All right. they've ever done was supported me, told me they love me. But on the back end of it, like the logical part, the people that tell, told me they love me was the one that did the, the most the, cost, most damage. Right, and so right. I said, but if I don't give people an opportunity to show me different than what I'm used to, that I'm going to be a prisoner in my own head for the rest of my life. I'm going to hate myself. I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to push everybody away that I love that has right. nothing to do with the pain that I'm currently in. And so right. I started taking these people out the enemy box and I start giving them a fresh start in my life. Mm. And I said, you know what? I'm going, to sh I'm going to allow you, I'm going to give you the autonomy to prove to me that you really are who you say you are. Right. If you do the opposite of what you're telling me, you go back into the enemy box and I right. will tell people in a heartbeat, once you go there, you're dead to me. You don't exist. Wow. And my kids, when I told them that, they were like, oh, my God, I can't believe that we are those. You see us like that. And I said, it's nothing personal. 
<laughs> it's, it, it, it's, it's trauma. You know what I mean? Right. And so I begin to take them out, and our relationship has really, really took off. Um, my oldest, my oldest, and my youngest daughter—they love me. We right. we connect more. We emotionally connected. Um, and I just feel I feel be- overall better as a father, as a human being. Um, and I feel like I'm actually beating this trauma. I'm, I'm actually right. beginning to overcome it because I, I don't allow it to lie to me anymore. Right. That's deep. And last question, what advice do you have to that child that's going through what you went through? If 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 you if basically if you had a chance to talk to your uh inner childhood, like have that conversation, what would it what would you say to to to, to your child to 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 your inner child? What what is what's that conversation like? I would tell my inner child, um, first and foremost, not your fault. Everything that you're going through that was outside of your control, don't blame yourself for it. And then I would also say, speak up about the things that you're feeling, regardless of who's offended, who don't believe you, and who don't want to listen. Speak up anyways, because somebody somewhere is going to hear what you're saying, and they're going to help you out. And I'm just going to tell that person, you know, to continue to hold on. It hurts at the time it's happening to you, but as you grow and progress, your stories are going to help save somebody else's life because there are more people that identify with your pain and hurt than they don't. And um, seek help, get help, go to a trusted individual, whether that be counseling, uh, a close friend, a relative, and get the help you need. Let them know what you're feeling. Let them know what, what uh, things you've experienced and see how they can help you. You're not fighting this alone. Um, don't suppress it anymore. Let it out. Cry if you have to. And it's okay not to be okay. That's deep, man. Again, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Um, before we end this, where can people find you? The website, Instagram, Facebook? Yeah, most definitely. You can go to my website at www.coreydjones.com. Um, my Instagram handle is at I, I am, uh, at I am Corey D. Jones. Facebook is Corey Jones. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn at Corey Jones. And if you want to connect with me on my personal app, you can text speak. That's S P E A K two five four two four four. You can get in touch with me there. Um, always around, always willing to help and uh, be a part of anything that you got going on. All right, cool, man. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you work and I know you're trying to deprogram yourself so you can watch it, watch the game or something like that. <laughs> it's all good. I appreciate you for having me most definitely. This is, It's been an honor, and I thank you for having me on the show. All right. Thank you, brother. Have a good day, man. You too. Bye-bye. All right.